You guys ready to get in the Word? Already, it's only 10.15 and we're getting in the Word. So we are going back to our uh, series on worship. Does anyone like to worship God in this place or is it? I don't really recognize. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) They're like, who was that? That scared me. Um, Before we get into it though, I do want to let you know that we have um, some journals. We got some journals for you guys to, for devotional life. If you don't have a devotional life or you don't know what that means, um, it basically is about getting into the Word every day, praying, hearing God's voice, journaling, writing down what God's speaking to you through the Word, and getting to know Him better. So this journal is a perfect tool for you to keep yourself accountable to be in the Word. Right, Justin? Yeah, so me and Justin just talked about this, but it's just not for pastors or leaders. This is for everybody. If you're not in the Word every day, I want you, you should check yourself. If you're not getting in the Word every day, something's going awry, okay? The Bible clearly says, Jesus said uh, throughout the whole Word to meditate on the Word day and night, to put this on your heart. Yeah, David said, I hide the word of God in my heart so that I won't sin against you. It is important. It's, it's not just important. It's, it, it, you can't live without it. So I'm just encouraging you. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalms 1. And it talks about meditating on the word day and night. And the word meditate actually means to mutter. It means to speak out. Your mind, your ears need to hear God's word spoken out of your mouth into your ears that will get down into your heart. Do you know why? Because when you speak God's word out, your ears have less filters on it because it's your voice coming out. Therefore, your heart and your mind believe it and receive it fuller than if you're hearing a word from someone else or on tape or what have you. You need to speak God's word out. Speak God. The word says, say unto the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. If you're facing things in this life, you've got obstacles in here, you should be speaking God's word to that mountain. What does God say? Repeat that back. God says, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. If you're in need or want, Jesus says, hey, I'll supply all your needs, right? We know those scriptures, but we got to speak them and believe them. So don't want to get carried. I'm getting a little carried away. Sorry. <laughs> this is important, guys. This is the foundation of being a Christian, okay? Church is not the, 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 the best foundation. Church is a part of the, of, of the body of Christ and what he wants. But being with Jesus every day, getting into his word and knowing him is what being a Christian is about. Amen? That's what it's about. So get in the word. So these are seven bucks. That's exactly what they cost to produce. Um, there's some in the back. Make sure you give money to one of the ushers or uh, Jen or Eric or someone that looks like they know what they're doing. <laughs> And that's just to cover the cost for that, but we can order more of these, but I want you to join. So there's a, um, a reading plan in here, and, and this church has done this for a while, but if you're new here, we use uh, the, the SOAP method, which is just one of many ways to study the Bible about reading a scripture, writing down your observations about what the scripture says. A is application, applying the word of God to your life, and then a short prayer at the end. That is just a minor, actually f- a fundamental elementary uh, way to do devotions. And so that's a way to get you started. So it's a great way to get you connected to God. It also has the reading plan in it. So it it gives you the date to read and what to read. And you know why this is important? And I I do want to take some time to do this. But um, 
When we're reading the same scriptures as a body every day, there's power in that. There is a power in the body of Christ reading scriptures together. I don't know how many times I've talked to someone or, and, and talked about what I just read that morning. Brad, we went, we went and grabbed lunch this week, and we talked about a scripture that I had read in that week on the journal. So it's important that as we read together, we can be learning and growing together in the Word. So I would encourage you to do that. And I'm not, that, no guilt trip. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. I'm trying to put a fire in your heart if you want more of God. You will not have a victorious Christian life. You will not be an overcomer unless you are in the Word. You don't have to use this, but if you're not in the Word, you're toast. I'm telling you, if you're not in the Word every day and you don't make a purpose effort to spend closet time with Jesus, you know what closet time is, right? Jesus said, go into the inner closet and spend time with God because you need to be transformed. All right, sorry, I'm getting the... Preach it up. All right. Amen. Who wants to get saved? Let's go have lunch. All right. No, I'm kidding. Just kidding. So get in the word. All right. So, so we took a little break and uh, just, uh, is Johnny, is Johnny here? Does anyone see Johnny? Is he here today? He might be really sore because he did a lot of work yesterday. Um, Johnny's a guy at our church that helped do all of our paint stuff. He prepared everything and I wanted to honor him today, but if he's not here, Johnny, um, but if you see him or you know him, give him a text and tell him thanks for all your hard work because Johnny did a lot of pre-work. He prepared all the stuff, the paint brushes, the drop cloths. He masked stuff off. He did a ton of stuff for us. And so if you see Johnny, he's here? Oh, cool. If he's here, grab him. Um, he did a lot of stuff. So if you see him, give him a high five. And, and uh, uh, I just, I'm really appreciative. I'm so proud of him because he really took control and, 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 and gave us good leadership on that day. Is he here? Oh, cool. I, it's always important to honor people, and I, let's honor him. Hey, yeah, Johnny! Woo, woo, woo! Come on. Come here, Johnny. Thanks for preaching for us today. So I was just telling everybody about all you did yesterday and getting ready for the paint job. So I just want to publicly, in front of everyone, just say thank you. You did amazing. You, I know it's, it's just natural to you because you did such a good job, but you really made yesterday a success. So thank you for that. Thank you. All right. And I know, I know Starbucks isn't your favorite, but here's a Starbucks card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's definitely my, becoming my coffee buddy. So enjoy that. And thank you so much for all you're doing. All right. God bless. All right. Love you, man. So our goal was to get some of uh, the nursery and the children's room painted, uh, just freshened up for Easter. So if you want to, before you leave, poke your head in there and see the new colors. It's awesome. Um, fun, fun, fun. So, and then Mark and Darlene, are they in here? Are they, they work in the yard. Our children's directors, Mark and Darlene, had a big part in that and great vision for that room. And so we're thankful for that. And a lot of people came and helped clean. So we had about 15. You know who you are too. So thank you so much for all those that came and helped clean. Um, Sharon, I just want to do a shout out for Sharon because she did, she did some spot cleaning on all the chairs. I don't know if you noticed, you probably didn't, but I noticed those type of things. Um, and she cleaned all the chairs, little things that were around and did some carpet stuff. And I'm just really thankful for that. And so many others did great stuff on the windows and vacuumed and all that. So um, thank you for coming to our church work day. I mean, house, house party. It was so fun. <laughs> party time. But um, anyway, so... Church, so I'm going to review a little bit today, and then we're going to get back into worship. Why? 
Because that's why we're here. We're here to worship God. We're not here. We're, that's the primary reason. In fact, why we gather is to lift up the name of Jesus and get in his presence because it's in his presence, the Bible says, that there's fullness of joy, that there's completeness, that there's wholeness, there's restoration. And church, we need to understand worship, corporate worship. And I'm so thankful for Pastor Eric last week, who was here last week, got to hear a great word from Pastor Eric about worship and getting a good balance on worshiping and what worship means and is. And as we've been talking about that as a church, that was on purpose, the Holy Spirit's doing that as we speak to you guys to teach us how to come together and effectively get into the presence of God. Now, worship is not just here. Worship is when you, we need to put something over the doors that says you're entering into your worship field because when we go out, we're to worship God in everything we do. However, we are talking specifically when we're looking at these seven Hebrew words in the Old Testament that are all translated into one English word, praise, but are all different words. And so you can, you can imagine how much difference could be if we're all saying seven different things, but we're using the same word, right? Not going to be effective. And that's why we're learning about what does the Bible teach? What does the Bible say about worship and why it's so important? Because when we get done here in about 25, 30 minutes, we're going to worship. And every Sunday when we come together, we're going to worship God. We're going to press in as a body. We're going to give him all we've got so that he can give us all he's got. Amen? As we draw near to him, he's going to draw near to us. He's going to get rid of all the dross. Remember that? Remember the dross, the stuff in the gold? When you heat up gold, it, it gets all the impurities and raises them to the top. That's what worship's about. It's about getting rid of all the junk in our lives and getting up to the top. And then we go, oh, yeah, God, that doesn't fit for me. I'm not created for that anymore. Let's get rid of that. Oh, wait, this is what the world does. God didn't make me to do that anymore. I'm going to get rid of that so I can be a vessel of honor. So it's, a, it's an environment that God uses to set us free. And the Rivers Church is going to be a church that seeks God. We are going to be a church who worships intentionally passionately, and with everything in us, we're going to do that. I want people to walk in here and to worship and go, these people love Jesus. Amen? Amen? It, I'm telling you, that testimony changed my life, church. I was 16 years old, and I walked into a church that was packed out, worshiping God's hand lifted, excited about all that he did. And they, um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm seeing all these people get up. Okay, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good thing God's bigger than the, yeah, your train of thought. You were 16. Yeah. 16. Thank you. 16. I was 16. Changed my life. Walked into a church where they were excited about God and, and saw their passion for God. I was afraid at first. There was fear because it was so different than what I was used to. But when I realized, man, I wanted deep down in my heart to be able to worship like I saw in there. Amen. I saw their hearts and freedom, and I go, I want to I love God that much. But it was fear that was holding me back, and God and released that and got baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, a church that worships is a church that's going to grow and that's going to be effective for God. Amen? And that's what we want to do. We want to get the gospel out. We want people to know God, not just know about him. Not just know things that they've heard from so-and-so, but to intimately, personally know God. That's what we want people to do. So let's get into it. So what I'm going to do is some review because we've been off a couple weeks 
from this, and I want us to get back into what we've talked about, and then we'll get into our new word for today, which we're going to talk about, which is about a bended knee. So what is worship designed for? You know, we've been talking a lot about this coming together, and as I was thinking about that, the Holy Spirit gave me a verse and just started talking to me about what happens in that process of worship. And turn with me to 2 Corinthians 3. In 2 Corinthians 3.15, I'm going to read a section, and, and I want us to get the heartbeat of what Paul's talking about here. And in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 15, it says this, Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Amen? Now the Lord is spirit, is the spirit, and where the, Lord, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We've heard that phrase a lot with worship, right? If you've been in church a while, you've heard that, that scripture or that verse out of, out of the context in a sense, but in context, uh, about worship. But listen to what it says. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Verse 18, and we all, meaning people that are now believers, with unveiled faces, that's a key word, faces there, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image of what they're looking at. That's a big deal right there. Into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now check that out. Let's look at that a little close because we are being transformed from glory to glory. We're being transformed as we spend time with God with unveiled face. Okay, so in the Old Testament, the, the, the place where God dwelt, the Holy of Holies, you couldn't go in. Only one guy one, one time a year. And then now when Jesus came, the veil was ripped in two. We know that next, next Sunday we're going to, okay, the veil was ripped, which is a good deal. Because now it opened up the Holy of Holies, the personal relationship with God opened up to anyone who would come through Jesus Christ. And so Moses, who actually got to get his face before God and was shining with God's glory, he still was in the Old Testament, but now today, we, like Moses and even more, get to see God with an unveiled face. We get to see God for who he is. We get to get in front of him because of the blood of Jesus. We have the right to enter into his presence and to come before his throne with boldness and courage and, and a deep knowing that we are sons and daughters of the Most High. That's an awesome privilege, and that is what transforms us. Being in his presence is what changes you. Coming to church won't change you. Reading your Bible, it, it'll help, but it won't do it as much as being in his presence. You can read the Bible all your life and miss God. Yes. Israelites did that. They read the Pentateuch every day. They stamped it on their heads and their door. They put it everywhere, and it didn't help. Got to get it in our hearts. And guys, when we worship, we become transformed. And remember, the word transform there is the same Greek word used in Romans 12, 1 and 2. And we talked about this a couple weeks. It's about, it's, it comes from the word metamorphosis. And it's the change from the inside out. It's being transformed from the inside, from the same image, from one degree of glory to another. We are all in process, church, and the one degree to the other is about coming into the presence of God, letting the presence of God bring up the dross, get rid of the things that keep you back from being the full person that God has called you to be, and then being a true vessel used by the master. 
that only comes from his presence. Are you with me? Because are, are you see the clarity between reading the word and reading the word? Because you can be in his presence while reading the word, or you can just read the word. Check. Went to church. Check. I must be a Christian. Right? So that doesn't get you transformation. Transformation is when you get in the face of God and you get in his presence and he starts talking to you and he starts transforming you from your inside, meaning the way you think. The way you think is what you're going to eventually do. You've got to think right and think like God and then all of a sudden you'll start acting like God and you'll start talking like God. Oh, and then guess what happens? You start doing the things that God does. You start acting and living like God lives. Wait, I can't live like, no, you can. You're co-heirs. You have a spirit, his DNA in you, church. You can live like God lives and he wants that, but that only comes glory to glory, degree by degree. You're on a transforming journey to become more like him. So you know what the funny thing is? Anyone ever been on a diet? No one wants to admit it. They're like, don't ask me that. Of course we have. I've been on 32 of them. My, growing up, my mom's, we're starting Monday. That was the joke in our family. We're going, we're starting on diet Monday. Let's go eat M&Ms and ice cream on Sunday night. In a diet, you have to stick to it over time and discipline to see results. It can't be a diet. It's really got to be a lifestyle. It's got to be a change of heart. It's really about true turning from sin. A repent of heart means you're going one way, and repentance means this. Oh, my gosh, this is the wrong way. <laughs> this is the right way. Yes, that's repentance. So we repent, and we have that process of being tra uh, transformed into a different body. We start losing weight. We start feeling healthy. We, our mind's clear, all that stuff. Well, it's the same in the spirit realm, too, as we are developed in Christ. As we get in his word, we worship, we spend time with him, we are slowly being transformed into his likeness, and we should start reflecting more and more of his likeness, right? So she looks kind of like you, because she's your daughter. So she reflects the mom. And we should reflect our father as we spend more time with him, because we are born of his spirit. And our traits and everything about our makeup of our being should become more and more like our father so that when they look at us in our life, they go, wow, you remind me of your father because you are acting like them. You are doing what the father does. Amen? Okay, let's move on. Want to get to worship. You guys ready to worship? I'm ready to worship. I'm so excited about this, this series of worship because I, it's my favorite thing to do. I love being in God's presence. And if you don't love being in it, maybe you've never discovered it or truly been in it. Because I was in that boat too. I never, I, I thought I knew it, but once I had an actual worship experience where I was in the presence of God at the age of 16, 17, that's what it's about? In the middle of high school, I didn't care about anything. I want to be with God and lost for hours with God because he's so awesome. But that comes in a transformation. It's transforming over time. So let's review. So the first word we looked at in your notes, we talked about todah. 
The Hebrew word todah, which was a picture of hands out, up, as in presenting a gift or an offering to the Lord. So the sacrifice of praise is what we labeled that. And we looked at the verse, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart and his courts with praise, right? That's the verse we use. That verse says, I will enter his gates with todah. It says praise, but the real word is todah in the Hebrew. And that means a sacrifice of praise. And it's an act of our will. It's about entrance into God's presence. It's about entering into his presence. It's also about making a choice to do so. You can come into God's presence, but it's going to take an act of your will because your flesh won't want to do it. Amen? Amen. Come on, I've been having conversations with people. Your flesh doesn't want to do the things of God. It never will. It never has. And you've got to make it. You've got to tell your body what it's going to do. You have to understand that you are a spirit being. You live in this body and you have a soul, mind, will, and emotions. And your spirit person is the one in charge. You have to exercise your will and say, you say, body, you're worshiping today. I don't care what you feel like. I don't care how your week went. I don't care what you ate for breakfast. I don't care what time you went to bed. You're doing that. You have to do the same thing when you practice fasting. Fasting is one of the best tools you can learn to get your spirit man in charge and your flesh in submission. Because when you get up and you want to eat, and you might, you might be a person, anyone here never eat breakfast, they just eat later in the day, like lunch is when they first eat. Okay. Not when you fast. <laughs> you make a choice to fast. Wait, I'm fasting tomorrow? I'm hungry at 1030. The night before I'm fasting. And I just ate dinner. Why? Because there, there's a spiritual battle for your flesh to go, no. I want to be in charge, the flesh says. I want to eat when I want to eat. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. But God says, no, my will be done, not yours. Right? And fasting says the spirit man has to rise up and say, no, flesh, you're not eating today. You don't live by bread alone. You live by God as your sustenance. God is the breath that you breathe. God is the actual energy. God is down to the cellular level in your body to sustain you. You know about the God particle they found, the little cross thing. God is, is in everything, and he's there to sustain you and bring it. You don't, it's crazy, but you really don't need food. God can sustain. He's that big. He made you. So well, that's a different thing. But I want to talk about that choice you have to make. Todah is about faith. It's about stepping out in faith. It's about taking a risk. It's about telling your flesh what to do. It's about making a choice. Remember we talked about this sacrifice had to do with coming before deliverance, that you, you brought a sacrifice, and that always came before getting your freedom. So remember that today. If you're battling something today, and you're facing some tough decisions, whether it be in business, personal, relational, at job or school, and you've got some things that you need to deal with in your life, go to God, bring him a sacrifice of praise, start worshiping him, get your eyes on him, and that problem, he'll provide the solution. He'll bring deliverance, church. I'm telling you, when you honor God with your worship and your being in a worshipful sense, he will bring deliverance. So then the next word we talked about, todah, was the entry level. Now, again, there's no, there's no secret 
you know, formula. This isn't the exact perfect way you have to do this to win, but this is a progression to enter God's throne room. Uh, we talked about, remember King David would go up in the Psalms of Ascent, they called them, and they, they would walk from the lower part of Jerusalem up to the temple, and it was an elevated walk. And as they would walk up to the temple of God, to the presence, they would sing these Psalms to get their hearts and their minds ready to be in the presence of the Lord. So that's the concept we're talking about, is there is a progression. Can you come to church and already be ready to worship? Absolutely yes. And in fact, I encourage that, that we shouldn't, this shouldn't be the first song you're actually singing to God and worship the whole week. You should be preparing every day. In the morning, you should get up and start praying and asking God. Start praying in tongues in the shower. Start worshiping God with your um, music on the way here so that you're already past steps one, two, and three. You've already got your heart right. You've already repented. You're ready to go. Then you're more effective here. Amen? So that's my encouragement to you. But the next kind of step we talked about after bringing the sacrifice of praise was yada, which was, this is the picture of yada in the Hebrew. Hands lifted up, and actually, we would be more like this. Remember? It meant to throw, and actually the same word for yada was used to throw a spear or arrow at something. So yada was to thrust your hands forward in an act of surrender. We talked about to throw or to cast, to throw or to cast your hands. That's what that word means. And we talked about the act of being surrendered to God. The international sign of surrender is hands lifted up. God, I surrender. But also deeper than that, we looked at the word, meaning it was a sign of intimacy with the Father. The desire that our hearts show to say, God, Daddy, pick me up. You ever have a little kid go like this? Mommy, pick me up. I went, I went up there. I went up, you know, right? Have you ever done that? Yeah, kids? You got kids? Are you with me? Yeah? Okay. That's a pretty powerful thing. When my kids first did that, my heart melted. Come on, you know. I mean, they're older now, so it's like you forget all that stuff when they get old and they start doing dumb things. But when they're little, it's like a big deal. But So we talked about yada as a surrender to God, as a casting our arms up and saying, God, I surrender, but I also want to be with you. And then the third word was shibach, which the word means to shout, to address in loud tone, to commend, even to boast or declare. So this is where we talked about really a shouting to the Lord, an loud addressing. It's not just shouting super loud, but it's saying with a confident heart about how you feel about God. We said you shabach when you are convinced. It really comes from a convinced heart where you're unashamed of Jesus. There's no more argument in your heart there's no more debating going on at this part of worship. You're not, you ever been in a church and you're trying to get going and you just don't, you're, ba the, you're battling your flesh and I don't want to clap. This takes effort. You know, I don't want to put forth the effort. I just want to be there, you know? And so, but when you get to this point of shibach, which is more of a declared in your heart where there's no more arguing, you're just knowing, wow, God's good. And so there's no, there's no check. There's no oh, wait, should I say this? Oh, should I praise? Oh, should I declare his goodness? No, you're just doing it. Yeah. It's a freedom starting to come. Psalm 63, 3 says, because your love is better than life, my lips shall shabach you. Translated praise in most translations, but here, my lips shall glorify in some, but it's really this word shabak, which means to loudly declare. Why are you able to loudly declare the greatness of God and his glory? Because his love is better than life. 
when you get that truth in you and you believe it and it's part of your DNA, can you do anything but Shabbat the Lord? Can you do anything but God, you're so good. Because you don't care. You don't care what the person says next to you or if you're too loud or too soft or who's there or who's not. You're excited because of who he is. His love is better than life. Shabbat is a heart that is sold out. This is the part where you get into praise where you're done dealing with the world. You're sold out, you're in it, you're convinced, and you're not turning back. And then our fourth word was zimir, which means, this is a fun word because it had a lot of meaning and a meat in it. But zimir is to sing, to express song and divide, uh, divide it according to rhythmical numbers. So it's really about music and singing. But it also has the instrument, it means to pluck the string as well. And so it means to play on a musical instrument. It also has the word can also use to dance to those rhythmical beats. So this is a rich word, meaning a lot of things. But this part of Zamir is when you're praising God about what he's done. You're thinking about all the good things. And the natural response, like in Shabbat, is to begin to speak loudly, declare his goodness. You start to begin to sing. And the creative part of your being comes out. And you start declaring to God with singing and musical instruments. And you start expressing what's inside starts coming out. And it starts coming out in song. It starts coming out in music. It starts coming out in dancing and moving. And you start rhythmically wanting to move because that's the natural response to recognizing who God is, is to move. Amen? That's, the, that's the, the, the part that comes after knowing is doing. You know who he is, and then the natural response is to action. Faith without works is dead. It has a, it has a truth here in worship. It's a praise about what God has done. It's a praise formed of out, of, out of who he is. And then we talked about Zamir really being a praise that comes out of a steadfast heart. Remember Psalms 57, 7, it said, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. He says it twice. Why? Because he's making a big deal about it. He's declaring, my heart is steadfast. And steadfast means to set up or erect, to set upright as a throne. This is where your heart has enthroned the Lord Jesus Christ. This is where you are no longer on the throne, but you said, Jesus, you're on the throne, and I am stepping down. How many people here need to step down from their own throne sometimes, maybe even today? Maybe you've been trying to run your own life for so long, and you can't do it. You're not designed to do that. And this praise, when you start singing, you've realized that I can't do this, God. God, would you get back on my throne? I'm going to step down because my heart is steadfast and knowing who I am and he's the king and you get on my throne and I'm worshiping you. You're in charge because God made you that way. He designed you to work that way and a steadfast heart is one that is established and is fixed. It says my heart is steadfast, oh God, my heart is steadfast. What comes out of that? The next sentence, I will sing and make Zamir. I will sing and make melody. I will sing and I will dance. I will sing and I will do this. Why? Because he's on the throne and my heart's steady. I'm not moving. It's fixed on him. And I don't care about what the surroundings look like. I'm worshiping God with all my heart because that's who I've created to be. Amen? It's really who you are. The only thing, fear and stress and worry is keeping you back from being who God wants you to be. Don't allow the enemy to, be, uh, to get you scared and have a fear of man and it keeps you from who you really are. 
Don't do it. Be, be, be fully into God. Release that. Rebuke that. Speak to that mountain. Fear, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You have authority to do that. Don't get all worried. You have the authority. Jesus gave you the authority over every power of darkness. You bind fear. Say, get out. You're not there. I'm going to worship God. I don't care what people think about me. I'm not going to have a fear of man. The fear of man is one of the biggest uh, thieves of Christian joy and Christian worship. There is fear of man. Don't let fear of man rule you. If you start to do something and you have a check in your heart to not do something that God's told you to do, probably fear or fear of man. Because if God told you to do it, there should be less and less of a check in your spirit to obey the word of God. When God says, go give that homeless guy a burger and there's a check in your heart, that's fear. That is not God. God's told you to do, to do good stuff, to give, right? God's told us to worship. God's told us to preach the God. God's told us to go tell people Jesus loves them. So if you ever have a check and you're going to go, the, the spirit of God speaks to you and you go, I'm, I think I'm supposed to go say, tell that person about Jesus. And there's this, oh, no, I can't. That's fear. Take control of it. Bind it. You have authority over it. Tell it where to go. You have the power of God in you, church. Easter next week, resurrection power. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in you and active to help you do what he's called you to do, church. You've got to believe it with all your heart. This Zamir also talked even about having this type of worship and a steadfast heart in the midst of trials. Maybe you're in a trial today. And as we get to worship here in a few minutes, this is going to be your opportunity to get your heart fixed, to get God back on the throne of your life, for you to step down, and we're going to talk about in a few minutes, to bend your knee to the Lord and put him on the throne and then see your enemy scattered. The Bible says, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Who wants some of their enemies in their life to scatter today? Wouldn't you like some of that? Well, let God arise in your heart then. Let God arise. The higher you lift him up, the more scattering will happen. The more you get him on the throne and you off of it and on your knee, that's when your enemies start scattering because they know, oh, whoa, he's starting to operate in his destiny and who he's created to be. That's when power breaks forth. So God really, in this worship that we've been talking about, if you've noticed, it's really after a changed heart. God is really after your heart. He wants your heart. Once your heart is changed and on, uh, fixed on him, then it starts to begin to develop into your life. Then your behaviors start changing. The outward things in your life start changing as the inward is changed. And God is after a changed heart. In Todah, we saw a heart of sacrifice. And this is just a summary, heart of sacrifice in your notes. And hands facing up. Heart of sacrifice, hands facing up. Yada was a heart of surrender. A heart of surrender. He's changing your heart to a surrendered heart and hands extended high. Shibach was a heart that is sold out. And this is about the, the, the outworking in your body is to shout about God's greatness without fear. And then Zamar was about the heart that is, a, is steadfast. And this showed in singing and dancing and playing instruments. And today I want to talk about, before we get into worship, the next kind of phase of worship, which is the Hebrew word barach, and it's got a lot of in it, so I can't really say it because it's, it's, it's actually barach, it's really a, a kind, of, kind of word, but we'll just say barach because we're, you know, <laughs> we're, we're in California. So barach, 
the, the word barak means this. Primarily to bend the knee, to kneel down. It also can mean to bless or to invoke God, to ask for a blessing or to bless others. It's also used as a word for greeting. Bless you, you know, bless you, greet, a greeting word. Also, even as a curse, too. So this word has a rich meaning, but if you really look at the root and the, the, the word, it's really about bending the knee. It's about, it's kind of the difference, I think, of in, when you go before a king and you're in a warfare, you would surrender, right? So that's kind of early in worship where we're like, go, oh God, you're so big and powerful. You know, there's, there's a little good holy fear, like I need to surrender to God. This, Barak, is more of a, an honor where you see your king and you're like, oh, King, ah, it, it, it's a surrender, but it's more of a, a surrender, like you're bowing, because it's almost like his presence causes your knee to bend, you know, and that's what the word really says, because he's so powerful, but he's so good at the same time, but yet he's so um, strong. You ever see uh, Aslan in the Chronicles of Narnia? So Aslan's a good picture of he could be gentle and, and nice and loving, but also a beast lion that could whack your face off. And we've got to understand that just like a ball, a circumference in two sides of a ball, God is perfectly balanced. He's perfectly balanced with grace and love, but 50-50, judgment, justice, and righteousness. So we, we get, sometimes we get unbalanced, and the church has done that over the years. Oh, grace, oh, grace, 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 grace. We're all saved by grace. Do whatever you want. God will forgive you. He loves. It's just loving. Just ask him in your heart, and you're good. It's not balanced. It's true. It's true. That is true to a degree, but it's not balanced, so it doesn't bring correct doctrine. It doesn't uh, produce correct living either, because you start using your grace card as a license to sin. And Paul says, don't do that. You're not created to do that. We can get off on that. Turn to Psalms 103. In Psalms 103, one of my favorite psalms, this word is used quite a bit. It's used twice in the first couple sentences and then about four times in the last few verses of Psalms 103. But I want to talk about this surrendering or bending the knee because I want you to show, I want to show you what this type of attitude of the heart will produce in your life. So Psalms 103, David says in verse one, Barach the Lord. Okay, so he's establishing something here. He says, it's translated blessed, but it's the word Barach. Oh, my soul. Excuse me, oh my soul, which means my heart, my inner self, the essence of life, including thinking, feeling, willing, or desiring. So it's really who you are. So if you think about the first very verse of this, of this uh, uh, chapter here, it says, bend the knee to the Lord, oh my mind. Submit to God, bow before him, oh all my desires and will. It's a big deal. So, Barach the Lord, oh my soul, everything that's in me. And then it says, next sentence, all that is within me. Emphasizing what that soul means, that word. Everything in me, all my desires, feelings, thinking. <coughs> Bless his holy name. Verse two, Barach the Lord, oh my soul. Okay, so here, okay, David's making a point. This 
This attitude and posture of this is here. It's your heart posture. Not just the knee. It produces this in our physical body, but the real posture of Barak is right here. It's a heart that goes, oh Lord. It surrenders. It's a yieldedness to God. The best word I can think of is, is a yielded heart to the master. Barak the Lord, yield to the Lord. Because we think of bless the Lord as, oh, we're just gonna speak positive things or we're gonna bless you, which actually has it in the meaning, but more so in the yielded heart. And then look at verse two, the second part. Forget not all of his benefits. Oh gosh, this word is so cool. The word for this benefit means this. What is done or performed? This is past tense, guys. Don't forget all of the things that are done. Don't forget all of the things, not one of them, that has been performed. This is in Psalms, thousands of years before Christ will come. But David says, this benefit is done. Look, 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 verse three. Look at verse three. And you're going to see five who's. Five who's. Who? The Lord, the Christ, the Messiah, the one that came and paid for your life. He says, Jesus, who forgives? Whoa, 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 whoa. Forgives means this. To release, to pardon, remove guilt associated with moral sin, wrongdoing, associated with ritual vows or iniquity. Who forgives, who pardons, who releases you from all of your sin, all of your wickedness, all of your wrongdoing, everything that guilt and that would incur in that situation, God forgives, he releases you from it. Listen to this. The heart that is submitted and yielded to God gets these benefits. As you yield your heart to God, as you bow before him and as you worship him, you start to perceive and understand that God is a God with benefits who has already forgiven you. He's already done it. Christ has already forgiven you. Before you even asked for it, he's already provided it. Even before the cross actually happened, it was done. Because God said in Genesis 3.16, I will send a redeemer. And once God spoke that out, that word would never change. And once he spoke it out, it was done. It didn't have to be done because when God says things, his words never come back empty. They never come back void. They're always done and he said it. So you can count on a day, even though we're 2,000 years past it, oh baby, it's done. You don't have to wait for it anymore. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to start doing, you don't have to read your Bible five days in a row to get God's favor anymore. You don't have to perform, perform, perform and do all these good works to get God to like you so he'll do something for you. Just be Barach. Just surrender and yield your heart to God and it is there for you. This gets even better, guys. (laughs) Who forgives? I kind of like this next one. Who heals? Who heals? Oh, and listen to what this means. It means to cure but the word for heal here, heals, always uh, used in a different sense, was when Elijah made the dirty water, salt water, fresh. So think of that. 
you have dirty salt water junk that you can't, that's in, you can't drink it. God heals the water. He removes all the junk out of that physical entity of water, and it's pure. Don't forget any of these benefits that are already done. And one of these benefits is he heals. He takes out all those things and he brings you wholeness. And he says he heals your diseases. Listen to what that word means. Great pain. Great pain. Anyone in pain today? Horrible torment. Are you tormented in your mind? Do your thoughts torment you? Do you have things, times when you're alone where the enemy feels like he's keeping you up at night? where you have guilt and condemnation in your mind raining down on you? Do you have thoughts telling you who you are or that you're not good enough or you're ugly or whatever have, uh, have you, any of those thoughts that come in that are tormenting? The Bible says he cures that. He removes the dirt and the bad part out and makes you pure and holy in that sense. So it's a healing of great pain, torment. Listen to this, evil of disease or to have a high degree of physical pain and discomfort. So you could say, and it's translated in some versions, pain. He takes your sin, he heals your pain. That's good. So he who forgives, who heals, who redeems. So remember now, I'm getting into what the benefits are, because they're awesome. But remember why we're doing this. We're doing this because David is at the place where he said, Barach the Lord, O my soul. Yield, my heart is yielded to God. And now I'm in the ability or the stance, the position to go, I'm not, I don't have to forget any of his benefits. In fact, they're coming to my mind right now. Can you see David worshiping? He's a worshiper, right? And he's worshiping, and all of a sudden he's, he's, he's blessing the Lord. He's speaking out to the Lord. He's, his heart is yielded. And all of a sudden he's like, and the Spirit of God came on him. Don't forget one of his benefits. Don't forget one of his benefits, because when you're in this state of worship, you start seeing who God really is, and you start remembering what he did for you and what he's done, and you start saying, wait, you forgave me. You can heal me physically and spiritually and mentally. And then he goes on, who redeems your life? And the word for redeem is the act of releasing or setting free. So he releases you. He sets you free from the pit. The word for pit means this. In example, a mass of organic putrid liquid matter as a water-like body. That's in the dictionary of the, of, of the biblical words that we're talking about. How many of you feel like you're in a slime pit sometimes? You might not be in actual slimy physical water, but man, you feel like your life is in a slime pit. It also means, it's translated this too, dungeon. So he releases you, he sets you free from the dungeon. An area below ground where prisoners are held, or a pit, usually man-made hole to catch and capture animals. How many of you have felt like the enemy's captured you into a sin that you just can't get out of? Maybe you've fallen into a pit. Maybe you're in a pit where you, don't, you can't see the staircase out and you feel stuck. Well, I'm here to tell you that as you shabak God and you tell your soul that you're going to do this and you're going to put him first, put him on the throne and bend your knee to him, 
He's going to show you a step way out. You're going to have a way out of that pit. God will not forsake you in the pit, guys. If you're feeling you're there, you're released today. Guys, I'm proclaiming this. This is God's word. You are released from the pit. The lie says you got to stay. The truth says there is a way out, and it's through Jesus Christ. Who forgives, who heals, who redeems, and who crowns, number four. Who crowns you? Interesting, because we think of that. We say, okay, crowns us. He honors us. But listen to what this word means. It means to surround, envelop, close in upon, to completely be around a person or object, as so not to allow that object or person to pass in or out of the area. God's going to surround you. He's not going to forsake you. As as hard as you try to get away from him and escape, he's going to surround you. It's one of his benefits. He's not going to lose one of you who give his heart to him. He wants to keep you. And it says he will crown you or he'll surround you or he'll keep you within his arms with a steadfast love. Who's up for a steadfast love? A loyal love. A love that is unfailing. A kindness, a devotion, a love or affection that is steadfast based on a prior relationship. God's love for us is based on Jesus Christ. His relationship with his son. (laughs) We have access to that and the love he has for us is all based out of that. That relationship never changes. There's There's no breaking, there's no parting, there's no separation that doesn't leave. It's forever and we can count on it. That's a steadfast love, church, a steadfast love. It says a steadfast love and mercy. We all want mercy, not getting what we deserve. We all deserve death, but by his mercy, he keeps us from experiencing that. And then the last who, who satisfies you. So this is about Jesus, who forgives, who heals, who redeems, who crowns, and who satisfies. Listen to this. He satisfies you with good things. The word for satisfies means this. This is so cool. To be in a state of physical contentment due to having physical needs met in abundance or excess. Come on, we've all eaten a bunch of stuff, right? And we were hungry and we overate and we're just like, oh, I am so full. Why did I do that? This word, and it says, no, this includes food, drink, provisions, and rest. So God is saying, I'm going to satisfy you. I'm not just going to give you a little breadcrumb and you're just be, be thankful. God's saying, no, I'm going to satisfy you. I'm going to make you full. I'm going to give you complete rest. It's a fullness of body that you're going to be satisfied in the God with good things. And aren't you, aren't you glad God left it open to things? Instead of saying, well, I'll satisfy you with, you know, spiritual church going. Aren't you glad it's, it's things? God says, I'm going to satisfy you with good things. Open to whatever. Everything that God has for you, he wants to satisfy you with so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You know what that really means? It's about having hope. Because just think of the, the converse of everything we just thought about. Can you imagine if all these weren't true? God holds you accountable and he won't forgive you. God won't heal you either. You're stuck, it's your fault, forget it. He's not gonna come in. He's not gonna come rescue you or set you free. He's not gonna throw a rope down in your pit. He's not gonna surround you. He's not gonna protect you. Just go do whatever you want. He doesn't care. And he's not gonna satisfy you either. You don't deserve nothing, so you don't get nothing. That's the converse of who God is. And so David says, your youth is renewed like the eagle. 
Your hope is like, oh my gosh, this God is so awesome because I've barak, I've yielded my heart to him. Good stuff in Psalms 103, amen? You like that? Good? So I encourage you to read through that. It's a very encouraging thing to read through. Um, let's move to a couple more and we'll get into worship. So Psalms 95.6 says this. You've heard this one. We've done songs about this in the 70s and 80s. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel, Barach, before the Lord our maker. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us yield our hearts before the Lord. Let us bend our knee before our maker. Let us give our hearts to him. Also, Job 21, and I'm going to end with this scripture. It says this, Job 121 says, The Lord gave and the Lord is taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised, or Barach. Now listen to this, guys. This is important. In verse 21 of Job chapter 1, Job had just lost everything except his health. That came, comes in the next chapter. But he just lost all of his kids in horrible accidents. He was losing it all. He was getting his, his herds have been slaughtered. I mean, he was losing everything. He was one of the wealthiest men on the earth. And the enemy came in and was wiping out part of that. And Job said, the Lord gave and the Lord taken away. May the name of the Lord be Barach. And he said, may the name of the Lord be yielded to and even in the midst of loss and tragedy, he could praise the Lord. And God said he did good in doing this. And he blessed him because it wasn't about, he didn't go, God, I just want to thank you for all this loss. Because we can say, bless the Lord. Lord, I bless you, Lord, for doing all this. No, he wasn't saying that. He was saying, you're God. You're in charge. My heart is yielded to you. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But my heart's yielded. I'm making a choice. You know best. I trust you. In the midst of those times, we can barack the Lord and yield our hearts to him and trust him because we know that he works all things out for the good of those who serve him. All good things come from him so we can trust him. Guys, this is about the way we bless the Lord. You want to bless God? We always talk about God giving us blessings. You want to bless the Lord? You yield your heart to him. That's how you bless the Lord. Just think about it. What can you give God? <laughs> He's got it all. He doesn't need your money. He don't need anything from you. He's completely full and content in, in that. He wants your heart. And that's what worship's all about. Barak is simply a praise of bended heart. A praise of a bended heart. It's a yieldedness to God. A heart fully yield with a bended knee. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. We're so thankful, God, of who you are. We're so thankful of how powerful you are. We're so thankful that you think about us the way you do. And Lord, we pray, God, as we take the next 10 to 15 minutes or so to just praise you, to yield our hearts, to barack you, Lord. We want to yield our hearts. We want to practice that today. And so, God, we're asking in the name of Jesus that you would fill this place with your spirit, O oh God. God, that you would come and walk among us, Lord. And Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, wherever you're sitting, I just want you to just speak out to God. Lord, we just repent 
for not seeing you right. Lord, we just repent. Just right now in your, in your voice, just, just tell God, man, God, I am, just tell him sorry for if you need to say sorry. Just repent and say, God, I'm sorry I think this way. Father, I just repent right now for not seeing you the, of who you are. I repent for not seeing your greatness, Lord. I repent for not giving you every second of every day. You're so worth it, God. Lord, we clean our hearts right now, God, and we ask over these next 10 to 15 minutes as we put into practice what your word declares, because what good is it, Lord, if we hear the word and we don't do anything with it? What good is it, God, if we hear a sermon or read your word and then don't do anything about it? You said it's worse for them, Lord. So God, we right now, we choose, we're preparing our hearts, God, wherever you're sitting, just begin to prepare your heart. Begin to ask God, God, what in my heart do you want to deal with today? Oh God, what do you want, what do you want to do in my heart today? I want you to ask yourself wherever you're sitting, is God, God are, is he on the throne of your life? Who's on the throne of your heart? Who has your heart? Does God have it a hunt? Now, I'm not talking about 10%. I want you to ask yourself, does God have every percentage of my heart? Is there anything else in my life that has my heart, even if it's only 2%, because God will not tolerate second place. He wants it all. Amen. He doesn't take halves. He doesn't take three quarters. He takes all. It's all or nothing, guys. So I want you to ask yourself this morning, God, do you have my whole heart? Oh, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would bring to each one of our own minds, Lord, if there's any area in our life where we have not surrendered part of our heart to you. And Lord, may we barach the Lord today by yielding up that part of the heart. It may be in the attic. It may be back in the back compartment of your heart that you've never surrendered to him. It may be from the past. It may be from a past hurt or failure, a failed relationship, a hurt or pain there. Someone took advantage of you and you have not given that up to God and that still has a percentage of your heart because you haven't released it today. And remember, our praise is about releasing over to God. Oh, Father, Holy Spirit, now as you're working among us, we just think and we ask God, release, release. We just release to you all of our hearts, God. Today is about bending our knee. Yes, Lord, our physical knee, but more so our heart knee. God, our heart, yield to, to you. We love you, Jesus. If you're here today, and you know your heart's not bended to him and you've never surrendered your heart to him and you want to do that today, before we get into worship, I want to pray with you. Is there anyone here today that would say, Pastor Doug, I've never surrendered in the first place. I've never made Jesus the 100% Lord of my life and I want to do that. Today's my day. I'm not going to wait till Easter. I'm not going to wait till Monday. I'm going to do it today. Is there anyone here today that say, yeah, that's me, Pastor Doug. I, I haven't surrendered my heart and I want you today. Anyone here today say, yeah, that's me. I want to give that opportunity. All right, Father, you've seen everything. God, you see right into our hearts. God, we can't hide anything from you. We can't cover it. You see right through it. So God, as we worship, my prayer and ask, God, is that you would examine our hearts and see if there's anything in us and that our hearts would be 100% yours. Holy Spirit, you're free to work in and among us as you see fit. You are God and we honor you and we thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name.